Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd. Ali? And I'm, I'm Leo Classic Nerd. Yo, before I wasn't you going cut to. Me I off, told you it was the last time. I, I... Yeah, but you said that like I don't six remember times making ago, those too. Statements. So I have... I got trust issues, all right? Um, <laughs> don't we li- all? Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Beyonce is arguably the greatest performer of our generation. Uh, Fight I, me I, if you, you disagree. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be yeah, any disagreement I, here. I don't know. That. I mean, I don't like the fact that you're kind of yeah. quoting Kanye here in his crazy phase, but... That's not what I said. I said she had arguably... The greatest album. That's what Kanye said. He said she had arguably the greatest video of all time. I said she is arguably the greatest yeah, performer of all the same time. Thing. You know, I don't like this comparison to Kanye West. Yeah, but, and, but I will say oh, she great, is like yeah. on another level. Yeah, when it comes to performance. Like, okay, um, I don't want to. I don't want to take this into like a, a down like note. But she performed at the Kobe Memorial yesterday. Yeah, and she did amazing. And then Alicia Keys performed Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. She did amazing. You know who did horribly? Was Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera was very awkward. She sang Ave Maria. But she hasn't been a performer in a while, has she? Christina No, I think she still performs. But she sang Ave Maria. Maria, And it's like, yeah, look, Christina Aguilera has like crazy vocal range. She's a great vocalist. And the song came out like well. But her performance was kind of flat. And well, Ave Maria song. is a, is like, it's a it challenging is. song. But it's also no. like it. I wouldn't, of the type of singers that are out there, I wouldn't consider Christina Aguilera, who does the kind of weird vocalization. Oh, the thing uh, she the does. melisma or whatever it's right? called. Like, it, yeah, it's like when they do the. Uh, is that what it's where they, is yeah, that, it's that's up. a real name. Yeah, yeah. That, okay, that thing you know, which every amateur singer also does for whatever reason, right? It's like, it's like every <laughs> yeah, time yeah. they say hello, it's eight syllables. It's an eight, and like, it's yeah. an eight two. Yeah, the melis- I think it's pronounced melisma. Right? I don't know, but like I read about it somewhere. Yeah. Oh, okay. interesting. Yeah. We we'll call it the Aguilera, right? So she, like, she does that, which demonstrates mm-hmm. her range, and she's like, she's good, right? But like, you can't do that in Ave yeah. Maria. True. <laughs> it's true. Or if you do, you shouldn't. <laughs> Tell but me look, she didn't do that. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I don't recall her doing that. But like, that, that's not okay. <laughs> no, she sang it really well, right? But then she wouldn't leave the stage. To the, it was like weird because like after Beyonce performed, you know, she just said thank you and left. After like Alicia Keys performed, she said thank you and left. Christina Aguilera just kind of stayed on stage, and then Jimmy Kimmel comes on there and he's like, "Okay, thank you, Christina. You sang that so well, and in Italian too, just like how Kobe used to speak Italian." And she was just kind of like straggling around on the stage. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, this is weird." Okay. You know, she was just kind of sitting there. How long was this thing? Um, it's about two wow. and a half hours. The memorial. Oh Jesus! So you had it. It opened with a with Beyonce singing um, "XO," which was Kobe's favorite song of hers, mm-hmm. and then uh, "Halo," you know. Yep. Which makes sense, and then um, Jimmy Kimmel went up and he—I guess he was like the MC of it. So Jimmy Kimmel was MCing it. He spoke a little, and then there was was Jimmy uh, Kimmel close to? Uh... Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel and Kobe were really close. Okay, yeah, I didn't know this. Yeah, like Kimmel like canceled his show that the the day after that Kobe passed away, and just dedicated that whole show, like the whole hour, to like Kobe, and like just put up past like. Did you cry uh, during this? During the memorial? Yeah. Yeah, because so. 
after after Kimmel, you know, like did the damn scene, he brought Vanessa on stage, right? Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, like, so she she spoke first about her daughter, mm. and then about Kobe, and it, like I I I was like legitimately like when she was speaking about her daughter like it really got to me you know like i uh i can yeah, come that to terms can, that can't be that can't yeah. be easy i can i can come to terms with kobe passing away like we, we you know like as a as a sports fan i got to witness his greatest moments as an athlete you know like he did a lot in his life you know but for gianna she was she was a child you know like she was 12 yeah. years old like we didn't get to witness what she could have became, right? And I think that is, like, what's, like, hurting me more. Because, like, I have a nephew her age, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, it's, like, I I, I couldn't, like, fathom, like, just even... I, I don't even want to, like, think about, like, how I would be if I lost him, you know? Like, yeah. so, like, hearing her speaking of her loss, like, it, it hurt deeply, you know? Like, so that got to me a lot. But, um, you know, like, and Michael Jordan went and spoke and, like... He's alive. Michael Jordan's alive. <laughs> he's Jesus like, he thought he died ages ago. <laughs> no, Michael Jordan's still alive. He still has his hoop earring. Like from the nineties. Sworn, this is. I'm having a serious N- Mandela moment here. No, bro. Michael Jordan's alive. I thought I really like genuine like Mandela effect here. I could have sworn like he died five really? years ago. No, Michael Jackson. Died. <laughs> no, my, I'm not confusing Michael Jordan. My, okay, give me some credit. I know I the know, king man. of pop versus Michael Jordan. I know the difference. Yeah. But I could have sworn Michael no. Jordan was wow. dead. No, bro. Jesus Christ. No, man. And then so Jordan. In my Jor- mind, I even can envision the burial and the ceremony. And the, no, man. Yeah, I no. killed this poor man <laughs> off. That's really messed up of me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jordan. Any up. Jordan fans out there? It's entirely unintentional. <laughs> I didn't mean to kill off Michael Jordan. He just died in my brain. Yeah. No, so Jordan was like, he, you know, he said a lot that was like really touching. And then he kind of like made a joke. He's like, man, I'm looking up. Only Kobe can make me do this. Now I have to look at another crying meme for another three or four years because you, Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, like they did the Jordan crying meme. So he, he made a joke about that, which was like, it was, it was nice. It was like, like a, a very nice moment after like all that like sorrow and like sadness like him a nice moment of levity there and then Shaq went and spoke and Shaq um spoke really well and then he he shared a story about Shaq was the last person to speak about Kobe and uh he he shared a story about Kobe he's like I knew I respected Kobe uh the day like we were at practice and my teammates were like this kid ain't passing the ball and Shaq's like oh don't worry I'll go talk to him so Shaq goes up to him he's like Kobe there's no I in team and Shaq goes and Kobe goes there's an ME in that motherfucker though. <laughs> and like everyone started cracking up about that. And like it was it was nice. It was touching. Like it was it opened up some wounds again, because like, you know, after a month of like not it being in my face all over like every day. Yeah. Having like two and a half hours where it's like in my face, it was kind of tough. But you know, like, you know was, I'm 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 happy that there was closure and I'm you know, it's clearly the the devastation that Vanessa is going through is like it's unthinkable right to lose your daughter your husband like that it's just it's a horrible experience it's like my heart goes out to Vanessa but I still I gotta be honest my mind intellectual I can't wrap my head around the idea of of everyone mourning yeah yeah someone I they can didn't understand know. that yeah 
in this way. Like, and again, there's a part of there's the empathetic part of you that goes, mm-hmm. I feel for any type of loss, right? Someone yeah. dies, that's sad. That's a inherent, but it's like it speaks to like the the way the weird nature of celebrity that people think, yeah, they've definitely. lost. Right, but, like it's their lo- like, and like this massive kind of event, like this massive event. I mean, it sounds almost like a sports stadium worth. Yeah, probably of, more actually was, when you think about it. it like, you know, yeah, more, it was, and then, the, and then like these m- huge singers. It's like it's like death is. Supposed yeah. to be the great. I mean, that, it's like they made a. a it right, almost like, sounds it, like. I mean, the way you described it, even kind of the way that you had mentioned in the beginning, you made it. It almost sounds like an award show. The way that, right? Like the way that it got yeah, described. Right? I don't know because I didn't watch it. Yeah, there's performers it's like even hosted by Jimmy yeah, Like there were, you know, like it's yeah, like what the. It's just one of those things where like like I get it. I totally get it. It's meant because, yeah, people felt. And and people people are hurting, and he was an important figure for people's, you know, in people's lives, and and in Southern California and elsewhere. But still, like it's one of those things. Like if we had to, ex- again, I'm a big believer in like, how do you explain certain mm-hmm. things to aliens? Yeah. Right? Did they mention the other the that. other people uh-huh. on the? It's, like, it's hard uh, to yeah, 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 yeah. They they did mention them. But uh, but the, but the, here's the thing: the event isn't about them, was it though? No, right? Like, like that's the thing. It's like, how do you explain that, right? It's uh-huh. like, don't, again, don't get me wrong, it is tragic, and I don't want to take away from anyone's tragedy or or mourning. It it is. It's sad. It is. But there's a the intellectual side of me just because I don't, I can't wrap my head around this. Yeah, but no offense, is it something that you do need to wrap your head around? You know? Yeah, like, I think so. It's, it's it's a societal thing. But I mean, it's the the way some people see people, right? Like you don't have to agree with it, and you don't have to understand it. It's just the way, like, it's just how it is. Like you you have an attachment towards these people, even though you've never met them in your life. It's because they invoke certain memories of your life, right? They but invoke is, is certain that things healthy, and certain is feelings. Real, is the real question? But it, that that we put on a massive event for for someone like this, and again, no no uh, yeah. issue with that, right? It's like. But literally, there are kids dying in concentration camps in America. Yeah, and there I, are, I, there are people being bombed and, around the world. And I understand that, and I think that's terrible. And no one, none of those people get stadiums. None, yeah, Christina Aguilera doesn't sing Ave Maria for them. And it, 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 to a certain extent, it highlights not you know how great Kobe was, mm-hmm. but how fundamentally unequal society is, how unjust. Our empathy is that our empathy extends to him, but not. I mean, we're not crying every single day at the other people that are dying in in horribly tragic events. I think it's honestly, man, like we've become numb to it. Like it's not like it's because we don't have we don't have names to faces in those situations, right? Yeah, we don't have we don't have like relationships that we've built. Not like personal relationships forget like personal relationships but like with with athletes with celebrities like you know it it might not be the best thing in the world but we have built a relationship with those people for lack of a better term you know like even if it's a one-sided relationship there's still a relationship built 
you know yeah they've invoked certain emotions and feelings and memories for us with like and it's sad it shouldn't be this way right it shouldn't be that like you know like we're we're focusing all this attention on a celebrity that passed right no matter who that celebrity is right yeah. in this case it's a, cele- a celebrity that like i was a big fan of but even if it wasn't like yeah. It, it, we shouldn't be invoking that much intention to them when there's so much other stuff going on. But the way our society works is we know that name. We know that face. We know those stories. We don't know these names. We don't know those faces. We don't know that, those stories. So yeah, it doesn't but, hit but us the why same. don't you know it? And you don't just say society because, I mean, at the end it's, of the it's, day, well, society no, is made up of people. Yeah, but, it, but it's, it's, an, it's a fundamental issue that, like, we're not going to fix overnight. You know, like, what steps can we take to fix it? It's not something that's going to get fixed overnight or, or within the next year or two. Like, how do we fix it, right? Like, how do we make it so Kobe's death isn't put on a like, on a higher pedestal than, but would you, know, you like, say and, that by directing empathy towards the celebrities of the world, does it actually, doesn't that in some ways take away from the lack of empathy for other people? Like, you, you mentioned that it's hard to have empathy for these other because you don't know their names and whatnot. But isn't part of the reason think why you don't know those names be- mm-hmm. is because of celebrity culture? No, I don't think it's hard, Ali. I think it's the reason why we don't have it is because we don't know it, right? If you highlighted these voices, right, then people will start empathizing. Like when, when they put a name to to I, uh, Ian Kersey, right, the the kid who... Alan Curdy. Alan Curdy, sorry. I said a prayer <laughs> instead yeah. of... yeah. Um, when they put a name to it, it made a difference, right? Mm. But f- can you can you name a single child? Like you know, there's thousands of migrant children in cages right now. Mm-hmm. But how many of them can we name? Well, I I've I've looked up a few. I've looked up them. Yeah, but I mean, like in in general, right? Like I don't mean you as in like you. I mean as like a, a general you, right? right? It's 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 a dehumanization at that point because there is no names to it. So we we can't attach any emotion to it. They've dehumanized yeah, oh, those kids. I mean, here's another question, though. I mean, I, the, you know, I would I would argue or I would ask of all the people that attended that memorial, you know, how many of them act? If you were to say uh-huh. who is Alan Curdy, how many of them would be able to tell you who that was? You know, like you. I, I mean, I yeah, we I, we gave him a name and it, it it made a blip on the radar, but did it actually have any lasting impact mm. in, in you know in the in the social consciousness? As opposed to someone like Kobe. Yeah, because right? I mean, part of it is like, it sounds to a certain extent that we're blaming people, but yeah, we shouldn't yeah. be doing is blaming ourselves. No, but but by people, I mean us. I'm not yeah. saying, yeah, like, we are people. It's just, it strikes me, you know, the, the, there's a very famous Christian principle that the church is one body, uh-huh. and when the hand hurts, mm. the head hurts. Right? Yeah. That the humans are meant to be connected in in very deep ways, um, and so that we feel for one another. That if a person in Virginia passes away or has a horrible experience, that a person in Southern California feels it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's meant to be. It's meant we're, we're, there's this deep connection and empathy we have with our fellow man, our fellow living creatures. But I wonder if, to a certain extent, if hero worship and celebrity worship disrupts mm-hmm. that by redirecting all the energy towards people who don't fundamentally need it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should feel bad for celebrities dying. You know, I'm not saying we should, you know, we should not care about them. Fuck celebrities. I'm not saying that. They're human mm-hmm. beings too, right? 
Yeah. But of the people who need our sympathy and need our empathy and need our solidarity and the people we should be building relationships with, uh-huh. celebrities seem should be low on that totem pole. Like if you're if you're more worried about a celebrity having a bad day versus your neighbor who might be starving, have we I missed so. the plot? Yeah. You know, like that's the question, right? It's like this is this is the the argument. This is the the failures of superhero culture to a certain extent too, right? Is that superhero culture to some degree fixates on the extraordinary? Yeah. The hero has to be extraordinary in order for Peter Parker to be Spider Man. It has to be that yeah, he has powers. That's true. Mm-hmm. And when we look for superheroes, we don't see the heroes. Ordinary people doing ordinary things every single day. We define heroic as uh, extraordinary. Whereas I remember uh, Mr. Rogers is famous saying, he said his mom told him that when a tragedy occurred, look for the helpers. The people who are helping people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I understand that, right? And I think, uh, you know, being that I I guess uh, my claim on this podcast is being the comic nerd, I should probably... Uh, interject myself here though yeah. it, it is true i think it's um especially in comic book culture it re- almost requires like you to be so out of the ordinary in order for you to be like in order for people to like take notice of you that um you know you really don't like the the ones who are really making impacts like the small impacts of the world that eventually become kind of big waves of impact kind of go unnoticed yeah. right and mm-hmm. even then mm-hmm. like you know uh there, there is a whole interesting movement that's kind of come out recently called the real life superhero movement that um, it's weird. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. I, I don't exactly know what to think of it. I think there, it's a really just like things in life. It has it's kind of interesting ups. It's had, it's got its comedy. It's got its tragedy. And then it eventually it has its weird little downfall. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, when people think superhero, yeah. they're going to think guys like Spider-Man, Superman, etc. Right. But, you know, that's there's something that's yeah. that's otherworldly about those characters right when in actuality it's all like i think more times than not spider-mans don't come up when it comes to that type of like justice uh punishers end up being more of a unfortunately end up being more of an issue right yep true and uh so i i literally went to a hole like last week guys i i I jumped into this whole real life super movement thing because of this guy named phoenix jones yeah um who is based out of seattle and you know he was he's actually a guy who was like an mma fighter and he would like put on an actual costume, like with a bulletproof vest and a stabproof vest, and like he'd have like pepper spray and stuff. And he would go around like like downtown Seattle, like breaking up fights and like trying to basically fight crime, you know. And yeah, it is weird yeah, I because like, I mean, he's a really cool costume and everything. But like him and he had his like uh, I think it was girlfriend at the time who was like her his you know his weird command center person who would be like on the phone and she also does like charity work for like domestic violence victims and everything like that you know so there was some pretty cool things going on mm. right and then so I, I i started with that and i began kind of following how it all worked out over the years right apparently lately mm. it's kind of died it's died down pretty recently but there was a point where he kind of started this movement where all yeah. these people began to really like the people began donning masks and wearing costumes like like Marvel or DC superheroes and went around cities trying to basically like they're not they're not like fighting bank robbers or you know getting ready to kill Thanos and shit but like 
Yeah, but exactly. The community right? so like, remember, service like, is You guys remember doing. the uh, Guardian Angels in like the 90s and shit? You know, like it's like people who were basically yeah, yeah, doing yeah. that. Only now it's like rather than being a random guy who's like calling the police and making sure their neighborhood's doing okay, they're actually donning actual like legitimate uh-huh. like cosplay looking costumes. Right? And Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, they even made a whole movie about it, right? Yeah, Kick-Ass. I mean, Kick-Ass is based on the comic book, obviously, but right. Yeah. Pretty that's much. the premise of Kick-Ass. incredibly depressing, right? Kick-Ass is, right? But it's like, but I think oh, there's a certain cool. reality that's attached to Kick-Ass. There's a, it's a bleak reality, but there's a certain reality that's attached to Kick-Ass that you won't see yeah. in a lot of comic books, right? And I went through a right, whole database right. of these random, there's a guy named El Caballero who, like, claimed to be, like, a fucking Knights of the Columbus and shit, and all. he apparently has a lordship title in oh, Norway, Jesus. all this other random crap. Right. It doesn't matter. But like there's all these guys. So this guy, Phoenix Jones. Right. He became the leader of an actual like vigilante group called the Rain City Superhero Movement in Seattle. And there was like 11 of them that would go around like on the weekends trying to basically fight crime. They had first aid kits to make sure that people at bars were okay and everything, too. You know, which was I thought was hilarious. (laughs) But there was a photo and this and this really got to me, guys, because I thought it was hilarious. So they were wearing a vest, and it has, you know, the, the initials for Rain City Superhero Movement on there, RCSM. But when put together, it looks like the, it looks like the word racism on the... Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and, like, and I'm not going to lie, you know, the, um, Phoenix Jones was the only person with any pigmentation in his skin in that group, you know. Um, oh, my God. Yo, didn't... He fought for Bellator, know. right? I, think he, I know he did a bunch of regional. I don't know if he was ever in one of the bigger leagues or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he fought for yeah, Bellator. I'll like, look it I, up And the problem, the, I think the inherent, you know, it's one thing to be like, to make sure that the cops are there, make sure you have information if something goes down, making sure that people are safe, right? It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to actually, like, take, quote-unquote, justice into your own hands because there's a, you know, it's vigilanteism, right. which is... You know, certainly uh, not what, what not good for anybody at the end of the day, because ultimately, like you now you've decided right. that you are the arbiter of what is justice. Right. And, um, you know, that right. group actually right. disbanded in 2014 because some of them began like carrying weapons and stuff, which on a serious note and then on a more funny note, a lot of them oh, couldn't meet the fitness requirements to uh, <laughs> to uh, to actually be able to like run and do all that stuff. Yeah, so like Wait, apparently so Phoenix Jones decided that he was going to can't he he decided to to disband the group because it's like a lot of these guys on here wouldn't weren't able to meet the meet the minimum fitness requirements <laughs> to, to okay, make it on funny. the team. <laughs> What's Phoenix oh Jones doing? Now, now? This is, is he this still is part of it? Like, like, just like with a lot of our favorite heroes, right? The ones that have a great a great story to come up, right? Eventually they all fall down. And in his own way, he's like kind of the Daenerys Targaryen you know, of Seattle in the sense that we don't, yes, we don't, we yeah, don't speak I'm that sorry. name. On this uh, but you know, he it's totally, yeah. So Phoenix Jones, eight. unfortunately, you know, he, uh, he had about eight seasons of crime fighting himself until recently because, uh, you know, he started 20, basically, I mean, did he know, also burned down a city. You know, no, not quite. I mean, he did provide things that you do end up burning <laughs> at one point in the form of drugs, you know, but like, oh, he basically no. he like just got arrested no. because they he was in a big sting operation where he got caught uh, trying to sell uh, MDMA and like cocaine to an undercover no. cop. And so you know, and so he uh, you know, as that Nietzsche quote, Damn. you know, you fight enough monsters to become a monster yourself type thing. 
So yeah, our boy Phoenix <sighs> Jones and the downfall. You know, a pair of, uh, he was fighting too many monsters and he became one himself. Here's the real question I have for you. You yeah. said he wore a bulletproof vest. Yeah, did so he have he, a cape? Um, he, I don't think he did. I, the, the costume I saw of him, he didn't wear one, right? Because I would imagine that that's probably... there's The the Incredibles did a whole thing on it, remember, where they're talking about how capes were useless. And also, like on, uh, I think Watchmen did that, mm-hmm. too, where the guy got caught in the door and he got shot up. Right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I don't think he <laughs> wore a cape, but his bodysuit was, like, that weird, like, it looked like a form-fitting, like, Batman, you know, like, uh, rubber nipple suit. You know, from like mm. the from the from the mm. Batman that uh, uh, Schumacher did. <laughs> yeah, we support rubber nipples. Okay, real quick, he fought for okay. the World Series of Fighting, and he lost to he lost to his brother Carlos Fedor in a main yeah. event in Everett, Washington. That's oh, where I, that's where I saw him from. Um, but listen, I know you guys are hating on capes, but some heroes do wear capes. Okay, while we were doing some research on some superheroes, I found one. An interesting man in Australia, in Perth, Australia, uh, to be specific. Yeah, no, really. and of course, it's Australia. <laughs> Where and else would it be? He had the greatest superhero name of all time. All right, you guys ready for this? I'm ready. What is it? Wheel Clamp is Man. That his move? Oh, yeah, what is solid. <laughs> the Wheel yeah. Clamp Man. <laughs> Do people understand that you just can't add man to the? <laughs> end of like any phrase yeah, and I Mega Man a for that, by the way because that was all like, the bosses you know like <laughs> yeah like you just like can we stop superheroes need to stop you can't that just man. add man to the Iron end of man. something and then suddenly be that that's my superhero moniker that's not how it works I'm <laughs> professor man it's like no please stop that's how it works, man. What was, what was it? E man 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 oh, from repair, uh, isn't it all repair that man man, man? yeah. <laughs> Repair man, 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 man. That's what it all right, was. All right, so yeah. what this guy do? <laughs> From all exactly. that. Um, okay, so Wheel Clamp Man, all right, he went around the streets, the mean streets of Perth, Australia. I don't know if Perth, Australia is no, considered no. mean streets. <laughs> Koalas. <laughs> yes. Um. But he fought the evils of parking boots, a.k.a. Oh, yeah. wheel yeah. clamps. He had a. He went around with the fucking angle grinder. Oh, you're kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. He oh, went shit. around. He's not he joking would, around. No, he would cut off parking boots on people's cars and had parking boots on them what? so they could leave. That's God's <laughs> yeah. work, right there. Actually, you know. <laughs> he, would, he would go around and like he would record himself wheel clamp man, <laughs> and he'd go and take it, like remove the parking boots. Is he but, on YouTube? Uh, I think he posted his stuff online. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta see this guy. Listen, all right. You know this guy. He saved the poor because wheel clamps cost, or parking boots in Perth, Australia, cost about a hundred and thirty-five dollars to in in fees to take off, mm. right? On top of paying for your ticket. So, you know, a little Robin Hood like situation. Yeah. No, Ex- you know, of all the superheroes we've talked mm. about, which is not many, but this guy's the the most legit. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, yes, but every time you're cutting off one of those boots, you know, those wheel clamps, you're costing the city money because now they have to go and buy more. And I'm Fuck sure it city. costs. I'm sure it costs. Well, you're paying taxes to the city. Yeah. I mean, my taxes aren't fixing potholes. So. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how the taxes work in Australia. I think they're a socialist country, if I'm not mistaken, because they took away the guns there in Australia. <laughs> it's an anarchist country. Um, but I mean, you're probably costing taxpayers more in taxes than you are helping them for their boots. You're helping them temporarily. Like, all right, saved you 135 bucks, but then 
Cost in the city, I, I guarantee you, cost more than one hundred thirty-five no, okay. bucks to make more. I do, I, you boots. gotta say something to like the mm. goals of these people, right? So on one hand, you, Phoenix Jones looks like he wants to clean up the city to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? Like he wants to actually do well, minus the cocaine <laughs> yeah, and DMA, yeah. and clean up something else too. Right? You know? <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna gloss over that for a moment, um, and then Will Clamp Man. You know, what's his goal? Mm. To help the little guy, right? Yeah. Like, he felt so clearly, he's felt so strongly about the exploitative parking fees that he's gone out and helped people. And in many ways, that's that's freaking phenomenal. And so I think this real-life superhero movement, in some regards, is an interesting sociological marker. There isn't anything new in it, let's be clear. I mean, back in 1970s, there was Captain Sticky, right? There's always been people who have dressed up yeah. as superheroes. Mm-hmm. And even before there were people dressed up as superheroes, there was the need for collective community yeah, yeah, policing. Definitely. I mean, Neighborhood Watch and stuff, right? right? Yeah, The Neighborhood Watch oh, Ali, is a prime example. By the way, right? don't what is the you get away with not explaining yeah. who Captain Sticky is. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, no, I will. Don't worry. I'll get to it. But the, uh, the, the point here is that, you know, we've always had this kind of concept We've always it's been there, the need to help one another out, and, and to a certain extent, uh, when we talk about you know uh, the real life superhero movement, what is it if not the neighborhood watch taken to the yeah. extreme, right? That that's what it is. We're gonna work together as a community. We're going to uh, help each other in some way, shape, or form. We know that even outside the neighborhood watch, there are other instances in which communities banded together to address crime. In New York, in particular, Siraj Wahaj, for example, organized uh, African American Muslim men uh, to watch the neighborhood, and not just in the neighborhood watch stop, but in like actual yeah. patrolling fashion. Hmm. They would had they had walkie talkies. They would go out. They literally eliminated drugs. Drug drug selling dropped to zero wow. percent in wow. their neighborhood. Hmm. They were more effective than the police. Think about that. They were more effective than the police. Oh, and they were they doing stop and frisk in New York? <laughs> they weren't doing stop and frisk. They weren't pulling a Bloomberg. Imagine they did it without doing Bloomberg. Uh. So, the and then you have people who actually dressed up. Captain Sticky being the prime example of this. So the Captain Sticky was operating, I think, in the 1970s. Though he was born way earlier. Uh, he's from Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm. and uh, he actually had a car that he would drive. Uh, on the various Orange County cities of called the, the Sticky Mobile. It's the Sticky Mobile. And he dressed up. He is a phenomenal image. He's a kind of rotund guy with a big beard and sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And he would wear, he wore kind of like a genie pants with a big sash belt and a tunic that was tucked in that said S on it, big, beautiful S, and a glorious cape. With military oh, epaulets, yeah, what do they call the shoulder yeah. thing? The shoulder things they call epaulets, uh, with shoulder epaulets, and he uh, basically put, did this great. He, he did a paint job on his car. It's got flashing lights. Uh, it's got wow. flags. He's got like he like he went all out on his car, mm. and uh, he, what he would generally do is is like. 
you know, stop people who were trying to steal hubcaps. <laughs> you know, he would try to intervene when people were spray painting graffiti. <laughs> so he wasn't like he wasn't particularly like ambitious, but he did have a he did have what a secret it? weapon. It was peanut butter <laughs> grenades. Oh God, poison. <laughs> Which were made of peanut butter, vinegar, and, and <laughs> seltzer, Elka seltzer. And he'd throw it at people, and he would chuck it. I would be honestly though, that's that's pretty effective because like while it, while it's not deadly, having something kind of explode on you that looks faintly like doo doo would probably make me want to stop too. You know, like <laughs> yeah. oh, you know, so. We should note that he weighed 350 pounds. (laughs) That might be part of the reason why he was chucking peanut butter grenades. Or maybe that's actually why he weighed 350 pounds. Um, But he is the original. He's the the father of the superhero Mm. movement. And I think he, in some ways, uh, is perfectly... Uh, encapsulates what that movement is. On the whole, it's relatively harmless, right? Like... People who dressing up as superheroes and being vigilantes is like kind of low on 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 the sign of like, oh shit, something's yeah, wrong yeah, with society. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like of of the things that I like point like celebrity culture like worries me. This other stuff kind of like you know, but this stuff I'm like I can get behind it. I understand it. But what it is interesting is that it does speak to the social sort of socio psycho socio need that we have that is sociological and psychological. And that is the need for superheroes, right? The need not to do random acts of kindness, but to actually dress yeah. up and act as a vigilante. Because the reality is that when we look at the mythos of superheroes, what is it? Yeah. They're all unique, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes weird, but unique. Squirrel yeah. girl, right? Like, really? But, you know, there's something unique about her. So we don't always know why. It could be something innocuous and stupid. But it still makes seems that they stand out. Even the ones that don't have powers. The, uh, you know, Batmans of the world or the Iron Mans of the world. They're superheroes because they may not have superpowers. Yeah. But they have super wealth. Mm-hmm. Right? But we know the reality is that billionaires aren't going to use their money to clean up the world. Yeah. Billionaires, the reality is that the Tony Starks... And the uh, Bruce Waynes of the world, they don't exist. No. Jeff the Bezos Lex Luthers of the world yeah. do. In fact, yeah. most of them are. You know Bezos. what I mean? Right? Yeah. Exactly. That most of them, I mean, Bloomberg is literally a billionaire. He's like, oh, I'm going to run for president. I'm almost 100% sure yeah. that's a story yeah. arc in Superman. No, there is. I mean, <laughs> right? like, Luther Lex Luthor becomes president, president yeah, yeah. is a story arc. <laughs> And so, like, th- that's the reality of it, is we don't we don't look and go as the like we go no no if I have all that money I'm gonna become Batman. That's how we think, because in our minds there is this need for optimism, but that optimism ends up getting wrapped up in the extraordinary, in the need for uniqueness, in the need for being special. Whereas the reality is that if you want to be a hero, everyday acts of kindness mm-hmm. are huge. In fact, will have far more effect than you chucking peanut butter grenades at people doing graffiti. First of all, let graffitiers do what they're doing. That shit's art, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I get it. Yeah, associated with gangs and whatnot, and that, that's always an issue. But as a historian, like that's the stuff that that 
is a sign of a society that's speaking out. It's beautiful stuff, right? I mean, in fact, it's one of the most famous graffitis in the world actually comes from uh, Rome, right? The, we know that the Romans engage in all sorts of political graffiti. There's a really fun story about um, Julius Caesar uh, had a mistress. Her, her name was Sevilla. And he and Sevilla were like an open secret in Rome. Everybody knew they were fucking. Everybody knew. But one day, him and his wife were walking out on the streets, and what had happened was that Caesar's political enemies had written graffiti all along their walkway that depicted Caesar sodomizing his mistress, saying, Caesar porne, Caesar porne Seville, which is the oh. Latin, where we get the word porn from, right? Porne. And it was, it was so shocking to his wife that she demanded immediately that he break up with his mistress. And guess what? He did. Hmm. Not only did he break up with his mistress, but it's said that shortly after he broke up with his mistress is when he marched his legions out of Rome to go after Pompey. So graffiti had the effect of actually changing world history. If he never saw that graffiti, and if he never broke up with Sevilla, he would have remained in Rome... He would have never defeated his enemy Pompey, who had left for Egypt and the Eastern territories, and he may never have ascended wow. to dictator for life. Huh. Then he may not have died, and the uh, Senate may not <laughs> okay. have been—he may not have been murdered, and the thing wouldn't have been <laughs> reordered into forever. an actual empire. Oh. So uh. all of history, all of Roman history, can come wow. down to this moment. Fascinatingly, obviously not. History is far more complicated than that, that yeah, but good. it is a good story. The graffiti, you know. So, so Sticky Man yeah, was fucking that, okay, with so the wrong I mean, that's, I'm happy opinion. you said that because now I won't be throwing jars of peanut butter at people um, writing on walls anymore. I mean, that was kind of my weekend uh, hobby, but I guess I, I can't really do that anymore. So I'll just save the boxes of GIF that I bought from Costco. Yeah, no, save save your peanut butter for sandwiches. Stop throwing it at people. But again, the real question we should be asking ourselves here is what drives a person to dress up? Why the vigilante? Why does why is that what we associate with doing good? In the same way where we think of empathy, we're like, oh, we feel so bad for this yeah. famous person, right? Like, why is it that sociologically think- that's what we think? That society needs people like that. And don't get me wrong. These people aren't bad guys. This isn't a bad thing. But it does, to a certain extent, speak to the idea that, as a community, we've almost inherently acknowledged the failures of justice. The failures of cops, in fact. These these uh, vigilantes, you know, um, obviously aren't going out and fighting violent crime, right? Like, they're not, they're not doing a lot. Like, no. You know, they're not, obviously, they're not swatting people, right? Or they're not, uh, you know, they're not doing that shit. I think there is, uh, you know... I find it to be a little bit misguided, honestly, uh, in the sense that, you know, there, I mean, yeah. you, you have to appreciate someone that's able to go out and, and, you know, try to do their part to clean up the community from like these minor things, right? Some quality of life stuff, you know, it's, it's always a good thing that if you have a little bit of pride in your community to want to do that. But I think a lot of it comes with the fact that, you know, there is a certain level, I think some people feel helpless, right? And they feel like this is, this is their yeah. way of, of showing that there's use that they have usefulness, you know? Yeah. And not just that they feel helpless. They feel helpless yeah, in a system absolutely. that is failing them, right? These are people that, that have donned the cape and said, I'm going to do something about it, whether they're going to 
you know, take down someone behind a keyboard or whether they're going to go out and put on a cape. It all stems from one fundamental fact. The police aren't doing anything about it. The system is failing us. They're not doing something, so I'll do something about it. In the words of the incomparable Flava Flav, 911 is a joke. (laughs) I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, public enemy. I forgot about that dude. What? Is he dead too? Dead? Stop that. Okay. All right. But he's yeah, old no, as fuck. But though, see that serious. that clock around his neck keeps his uh, neck muscles strong, so you know he's still healthy. Yeah, <laughs> it stopped <laughs> well, time. That was the case. That's another superhero <laughs> power that'd be fun to have. But I think I I think it's it's good that you mentioned that because I mean, as much as I enjoy you know people dressing up as a you know in superhero outfits and and kind of doing their part, you know there's uh you know there's a lot to be said about people who wear regular shirts and jeans and stuff and you know try their best to uh to you know to basically fight the unjust perceived injustices in the world right and um i don't know if you guys have seen the uh the netflix documentary uh i know ali you don't have a netflix account because you're still protesting them or whatever but or you're boycotting them but this have you seen yeah, uh, don't fuck with cats so oh, i've heard of this i watched about it's a hard maybe it's a hard two minutes of it watch yeah yeah i watched two minutes of it and it, it, I, it's fucked up. I can't even. I just, Ali, Ali, your mom doesn't listen to this podcast, right? No, no, she doesn't. You're okay, good. okay. Because what what happened in the two minutes that I watched, if Ali's mom had seen, she would have like gone on a fucking murderous rampage. They 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 murdered some kitties, and okay, it, so, it scarred uh, me, man. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, Wait a minute. No. They don't well, okay, show so that, let's do let's they? just let's first off let's just give a uh, you know a trigger alert because this is a pretty intense or trigger warning, right? Because this is going to be pretty intense. Okay. It can be. Right? And depending on, you know, obviously on 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 how you kind of take in this information. I don't want anyone to kind of feel like they're being they're being alienated by what we're talking about. Right? But like right. you know, it follows it essentially kind of follows the internet sleuths that have basically uh followed traced uh-huh. back a video that went viral kind of in the dark web and then also you know in, in uh, places like facebook and everything else uh, uh about um this canadian killer named luca magnato who had basically posted a of he had posted yeah, you know, him a video know. of him, him I know. suffocating two kittens right and well, uh, they don't actually that. show yeah, bro. Your mom would have video crazy. on there, but they, they, you know, like you, they said that you see the kind of the beginning of the video. Like you don't actually see the cats dying though, but there is footage oh, of the dead cats, like in the, in the documentary, like he's like playing with them and there's like a little, oh, right. Come on. And you know, I don't need to go too much into the actual documentary itself because you can watch it on Netflix anytime you want. And quite frankly, there's, we gain nothing from, from, you know, kind of showing a lot of, or talking about kind of the darker stuff, I think. Right. But Mm. uh, what I think is important is because we talk a lot about how about how social media and how about the Internet has kind of changed our behaviors. Right. The kind of searching for clout has become something that has become dangerous to people. Right. It's also, you know, it it creates consequences that we realize were never we never realized could happen until recently. Right. And, um, you know, this is a big part of Netflix is like, you know, um, kind of new documentary style series where they follow true crime you know like between that Mm -hmm. you have like uh making a murder you have the keepers everything else and this is kind of what you know netflix makes big money off it and they kind of became the 
you know, the uh, the streaming service that creates these true crime documentaries. A lot of people go to it. Now, yeah. this all ties together, in my opinion, because, you know, you talk about we talk about things like algorithms. We talk about things like social media, people taking your information. Right. We, we've talked about that plenty of times before. Now, Netflix, I think, is one of the most egregious. Right. Because, you know, they know exactly what you're watching. They provide you with things. Right. And then they take those they take those numbers and they naturally kind of build things around. Uh, you know what uh, what most people are watching the numbers really don't lie in that situation so of course if murder documentaries are the big are a big part of netflix's user base then they're going to make more murder documentaries right the only issue is that what happens is now they're exploit i think they're fundamentally exploiting you know the pain of a lot of victims and a lot of people you know for ultimately yeah. to get views really yeah, no yeah. different from clout chasers who are doing extreme things on tiktok or whatever else Right. And think about like this. Now, the issue that I have with this is that, like, there is a lack of self-control on Netflix's part because, number Mm. one, they don't show the most egregious parts of Luca McNaughton's videos, you know, and maybe he eventually goes on to, you know, to to murdering an actual person. Right. And that that's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Leads to an international manhunt. He he ends up going to to, uh, uh, Jin. Right. And he ends up kind of murdering someone. But. You know, the, the documentary itself follows the Internet sleuths that try to basically track down uh, Luca Magnata himself and the person who created this video. Right. So mm. the problem is, though, it's not so much that they're showing the graphic parts, but they are showing the graphic reactions of people who are watching those videos again. Yeah. Right there. Uh, you know, you can actually mm-hmm. see people mm. kind of kind of like the, the actual people who are who are part of the documentary you can see like in their eyes and their faces how they're reacting to these videos while the sound is still playing from the video itself so there is yeah. a sensation so they're actually using there. like yeah. you're not you're not seeing the worst of it but they're using ju- they're towing that line so close to the point where it's all like right. you have to kind of question yeah. whether or not you know they were doing this in good faith, right? Or they were do where they're doing it tastefully or not, yeah, right. right? Because documentaries have been around forever, right, right. right? It's not like documentaries are a new thing, but creating documentaries no, no. that were extreme enough that they've become, you know, almost to a point where you have to say something, or you have to kind of it evokes certain emotions from people. Um, I think is uh, to this point is 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 a, you're really towing the line on that, and I think the big problem, and this is yeah, I, I think this will yeah. piss you off more than anything else. Netflix runs on this thing, on this programming, where it will automatically play previews, right, of Netflix originals. Mm-hmm. They didn't bother. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the documentary itself, there's a two-minute little snippet that you can watch a preview of it, right? It's not that bad compared to, you know, compared to the documentary itself, but it's still triggering. There's a lot of bad things that are connected to it, right? People were complaining because they mm-hmm. would turn on their Netflix and that and the preview for this uh, for this extreme documentary, this documentary that people have issues with, would play automatically, just like a YouTube video would just play on autoplay. So imagine like oh, they, they, you're sitting there, you're kind of half asleep, and the next thing you know, you're you know they're they're showing you a preview about this fucking psychopath who who's killing cats and murdering people yeah. and chopping them up or whatever the hell else. Right, and that's because Net, yeah. you know yeah. when Netflix runs the, on this kind of that same level that YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, everyone else kind of runs on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, see, I didn't get it like on on Netflix. So 
I mean, as someone... Did you who, watch the entire series? I, I watched... So, I watched the first episode. Um, I haven't watched the whole thing yet because, quite frankly, and you kind of do it in six. How many episodes is I, it? Ten? I'm actually not really sure. I need to look that yeah, up. I, is you, you haven't seen the whole episode? You've only seen a couple minutes? No, dude. I saw the first two minutes, man. It was Valentine's Day. I'm sitting there watching it, and then I'm like, we can't do this. So, we ended up watching Narcos instead. <laughs> Because right. Narcos was more lighthearted than Don't Fuck With Cats, bro. <laughs> like, that's how fucked up it was, man. Yeah, I mean... The, how many episodes think, is it, V? I think it's like three. Three, okay. All right. Fucking All right. asshole. V almost ruined my Valentine's Day with that shit. Because <laughs> he, he mentioned Don't Fuck With Cats <laughs> for the podcast. And I was like, oh, maybe I should watch this. And then, uh, yeah, no. No nope. bueno. Yeah. Not for Valentine's Day. Yeah, not for Valentine's Day, man. You almost ruined my Valentine's Day, you asshole. But it's okay. Um, so I, I saw, like, I would always, like, just... When I'm on Netflix, I know what I want to watch. I don't really, like, you know, go and dick around too much on there. Um, but, like, when I'm listening to podcasts, like, uh, because... Like if I've listened to like our podcast and a few of the other yeah. podcasts that I've listened to for the week, um, I'll go like and search for like old episodes of like or search for episodes of other podcasts that I heard might be good. But um, I had a recommendation for this this podcast called Monster, right? Um, and it was Monster the DC Sniper. Mm. Now, if, also Netflix. You're saying no, no. This is on a podcast. This is, a podcast. This is an oh, iTunes podcast, app, right? So. I'm personally not a fan of like the true crime. Like I, I, I didn't watch any of the Ted Bundy stuff. I haven't watched Making a Murderer. Like I, that's just it's not my thing, right? Like uh, fucking serial killers and shit like that. Like they they yeah. freak me out more than like m- like monster movies because these are yeah. real. Well, people. I mean they exactly exist. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, right. So. This shit freak that shit freaks me out. But I lived through the DC Sniper, right? Right. So for me, it was like. I kind of want to hear about this because I was a thir- 12, 13-year-old when mm. – I think 13. It was my eighth grade year. I was 13 years old when the DC sniper was – like the DC snipers were on the loose in, you know, like the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And I remember like it was it was like – I was like, oh, like I remember m- my time as a kid, like how we had to wait in our houses uh, before we could get to the bus because – we weren't allowed to be at the bus stop before the bus got there. The bus would get there. It would wait for five minutes. You had five minutes to like kind of just walk from your house to the bus stop. And you had to walk in a zigzag because you weren't allowed to walk in a straight line. Um, and then once you got to the school, like they didn't let you out of the bus. You had to wait and everyone got out of the bus individually. Like they let one bus go, then one other bus and everyone had to zigzag into the school. We weren't allowed to go outside for gym. Like, they limited like our recess and stuff like that. Like, so wow. re- listening to this podcast, did it bring those memories back? Yeah, it did. Cause like I remember, uh, I remember the the feelings I had living through it. Right. Like I remember like, <laughs> cause one of the the things was there was misinformation about the shooters. Everyone said that they were in a white van, mm. and I remember I was always worried about seeing. Anytime I saw a white van, I freaked out. You know, like I'd yeah. try to hide. Like any, no matter where I was, if I saw a white van, I'd duck. You know, like, so, like, I, I didn't want to get shot. And I remember I was afraid to go into, like, the mall. I was afraid to go to, like, any public places or gas stations because, you know, like, he was shooting people at, he shot someone at a fucking grocery store. Was he this said. podcast one episode or was no, it, like, this is a several fif- episodes? No, this is a 15-part series, right? I've gone through eight episodes already because it's still going on, right? It's it's a weekly episode, a weekly episodic thing, and it's a 15-part series. But 
I've I've realized why like these things have gotten so popular is people have this fixation on the actual serial killer themselves, right? And, yeah, uh, there is there is a morbid curiosity to those figures. It was um it, there was a criminologist that was on the podcast. His name was like Anthony Nichols or something. Anthony something. He was a criminologist um, who actually interviewed uh, Lee Boyd Malvo, who was the younger of the shooters. John Allen Muhammad was the the older man yeah. who had his accomplice Lee Boyd Malvo, who was like a sixteen seventeen year old kid. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Right. Um, but he, you know, like he did interviews with Lee Boyd Malvo, and he said, you know, like for his job, he's probably met, interviewed, and spoke to over three hundred serial killers slash murderers. And he's like, he's like, the thing is, he's like, people like look at these people and they wonder why, and they're like, oh, these people must be monsters. Yeah. But in reality, they're just like you and I, but have taken different extremes because of circumstances in their lives or things that have happened to them and that kind of like opened my eyes to things because like people want to hear about the ted bundys and they want to learn about them because it's like oh these people are crazy like they're fringe society they're they're fucked up they're monsters but like in reality they're not actually the monsters that like we have them in our head and it does kind of watching these these i'm not sure that's true i'm i mean i'm he's obviously a criminologist he knows more than i do but i'm not sure he's right I mean, I think he's right in the sense that these people aren't aren't monsters in the way we imagine them. They're not, they're not you know, tentacled and whatnot. Yeah, these, these, mm-hmm. they're often quite ordinary. But I think the reason we tune in is not because we're fascinated that they're monsters. Mm-hmm. It's that we're wondering if we're monsters. Ah, that makes sense. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that, I think there's a to a certain extreme or a certain point, there's an acknowledgement that we all have dark sides. Mm-hmm. That we've all fantasized about horrible things yeah. that we can't speak out loud, right? True. Just as we've fantasized about heroic things. I mean, how many times were you sitting in the grocery store and imagined if this grocery store was held up, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to knock out that person and then I'm going to throw the cannon. It's like, you know, like yeah. you imagine that you're somehow this like amazing ninja warrior. Yeah. I'm going to throw a watermelon right. at a dude's like, head. You, you do that. How many, oh, be honest, how many times have you done that? Both a, of you. A billion times. I've done it. Yeah. yeah I've done it three times since bored. the podcast started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time you're bored. You do it. It's like it's like a thing to do. Yeah. Similarly, how in the quiet moments and darks of the night, how many times you be like, I can get away with this, right? Yeah, yeah, bro. It's just you. You're sociopathic like that guy in our No, in fact, <laughs> I would probably argue that I have a stronger sense of ethics, which make me not to catch myself any of those things. Whenever I'm like, man, I could fucking kill someone. I'm like, no, that's wrong. No. It's like, there's, a, there's a strong internal monologue in my head. So no. I'm like... Least sociopathic. If you could murder someone and get away with it, you would because you're a sociopath. At no, least I, that's could, what I, could, I could get away with anything if I wanted to. The <laughs> point is that I, that I don't have a strong sense of right and wrong. I'm a good man, you corrupt piece of shit. Okay. Um, but the question is that, that this is what draws us. We wonder if we too are, those, are the monsters, right? If we too have that. But that's what worries me. While I'm a supporter of, of exploring your dark side, right? This seems to me that a lot of true crime, and I actually enjoy true crime. Unlike you, Diz, I actually do enjoy some of those podcasts and some of those episodes, and I do enjoy some of those. Back in the day, the, the, the uh, specials, right? The, the mystery specials were always my thing. Oh, yeah. The ABC's like, you know, did his wife kill him? Right? Oh, yeah, They, they yeah. always put those on, right? Dateline and whatnot. Like, I, you, I always tuned in. 
Nah, but that shit freaks me out, bro. There was always a there's so this isn't new. There's always been there, but there is a part of me that wonders that there's that the sensationalization, the need to excite and thrill and titillate, that that has harmful repercussions. Because it doesn't ask the question of what does the victim feel about us telling this story and telling yeah. it in the way that we're telling it, well, right? How true, yeah. often or how little should we say is it that these, how, how few times do these episodes and podcasts and shows center victims? Well, Monster did. It had a whole thing where it talked about, like, they had a whole episode where they were they were talking to uh, John Allen Muhammad's ex-wife. But that's um, only one episode. Yeah, but the, you it's, take a it's look a, at something like "Don't program. Fuck with Cats." They don't. They're not asking about the repercussions there. They're talking about the sensational sleuthing that happened, the internet sleuthing. Mm-hmm. When we know that internet sleuthing can actually have horrible consequences. True. Yeah. The case of the Boston bomber, where they got it wrong and ended up harassing a poor woman whose brother had died, who was un- completely unrelated to this entire thing. Death and rape threats. Even with the don't fuck with they, they talk about how the sluice, you know, there's someone that implicated someone wrong yeah. before they'd found there's Luca consequences, like, But we don't center those, yeah. right? We don't center that stuff. And we don't center and humanize the right people. Who doesn't get human? Like, you know, we don't humanize the survivors. We don't humanize the victims. And sometimes they're participants and sometimes they're not. And so their yeah. stories are told through the lens of We've got to sell. We've got mm-hmm. to get ratings. And I think that that's a problem. You know, it makes for good drama, that tension. It's like, all right, great. It's exciting. But it, it centers the criminals and it centers the story over the victims. And that's Absolutely. an issue for me, right? We already yeah. live in a society where criminals have fanboys and fangirls. True. I, I was horrified that last week during the anniversary of Columbine... Or, or Columbine was like in the news once more, that there was a whole series of accounts, like dozens upon dozens of accounts, dedicated to making fan cams of the Columbine shooters. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Um, like people, the way they make fan cams about K-pop, they were making it about these shooters. Whole pages dedicated to sexualizing and romanticizing and Eric, lionizing yeah. these figures. Now... We can say, okay, these are a couple fringe, crazy people, right? But the question is, is how, how much of our morbid curiosity gets mainstreamed? If something like Don't Fuck With Cats is running on Netflix and it's extraordinarily popular, what does that say about us? Right? What does it say about us? That we're tuning into stuff like that. And it's not like we tune into stuff like that and we're like, all right, we're going to start a campaign to get justice for so-and-so. Or we're going to start a campaign to do this thing. Like, there's one thing... To say, all right, we're going to strive to address uh, childhood abuse, right? So that we can limit the number of kids that uh, are ex- that eventually become serial killers or whatnot. Or we're going to focus on creating some type of campaign uh, that will help uh, poor, homeless people of color who are often the victims of serial killers, right? Yeah. None of that happens. And instead what happens is it's about how popular the show can get or how popular the podcast can get. That to me is was weird. That's where I'm yeah. like, uh, I'm not sure we're headed in the right direction with this story. But yeah, who am I? I mean, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I love true crime. 
I, I you know, I think you guys know that about me. You know, I, I've even before documented stuff. I, yeah. I read about that stuff all the time, right? Like I, I remember as a kid, like I learned the first. I learned about. I read about John Wayne Gacy when I was probably seven or eight years old, yeah. and it probably, uh, you know, I don't know if seven it did or, or not, but it probably affected my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, of, all, of the three of us that would end up bit. becoming serial killer, you're the most likely. How dare you? I mean, uh, I'll remember that. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I actually agree with you, Ali. It's like, I, I love, you know, I listen to Serial. I listen to Last Podcast and Left. And, right, these are all shows that I listen to on a regular basis, right? I, but I don't, I try my best not to, uh, you know, not to try to delude myself into thinking that, you know, these, by their nature, can be exploitative of victims. Yeah. Right, because there's a point where you know they're all doing well. Yeah. Serial kill, you know, serial does really well. Right, mm-hmm. how much of that money or how much of all the stuff that they get from from these victims being having their lives destroyed, having their families' lives destroyed, actually goes back to preventing these things from happening. Yeah. You know, or like, or even does anything to actually to kind of give back. Right. Well, that, that's right? that's what I was saying. Right. And the yeah. question for me is is. I'm not saying this, this true crime stuff needs to go away. I think, great, if people are interested, the more we explore, that's a good thing. Light into the dark is good. The question is, is that how how little do these things contribute to an ethical worldview? Yeah. The framework of understanding the world that pushes forth humanity, compassion, ethics. It's like we do it for the sake of the interest, we do it for the sake of the excitement, not for the sake of knowledge, not for the sake of better understanding ourselves, not for the sake of better emphasizing humanity and empathy and, and, and you know, ethics, right? And that's my issue. It's like maybe if, if, if we recenter, you know, let's question the nature of evil here. Then I might be yeah. a little bit okay with this. I think we'd be headed in the right direction. I think the ori- my problem is the orientation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I I, yeah. I understand yeah. that, right? I mean, the docu- I mean, don't fuck with cats itself. I mean, you look at the title, right? Yeah. People yeah, for yeah. like Luca Magnana killed another human being, chopped him up, like sent him. Yeah, uh, sent pieces of his body all right, over Canada. Right. Well, we don't need to right? get into details, but yeah, it's a. The, the title itself is an end of a very fucking flippant title for who, yeah. for what event, what really was going on. There. And it centered the killing of a cat over the center killing of a human being. Right. His name is Lin Jun, by the way, yeah. you know, which I think is important. But like that in and of itself kind of shows, you know, like kind of, yeah. you know, where their head is at when it comes to it. And the documentary itself, they even mentioned at the end of the documentary. I read this. It's like they talked about how ultimately the killer his whole goal was to get clout. His whole goal was to get attention. And by them creating the documentary, they gave him exactly what he wanted, you know? Yeah. And like that, that in and of itself, like it's like the, the documentary is self-aware in that sense. They, but they were still okay with making it, weren't they? Like, yeah. it's not like, you know, they may have addressed it, but it's not like somehow they went, well, this is just, you know, we're, we're playing into him. We're right. playing into exactly what he him wants. The attention that he wants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there's a good place to end right there. Uh we had a very interesting podcast. We covered uh Kobe, we covered the nature of celebrity, we covered the nature of superheroes, uh, our morbid fascination with true crime. Hopefully it was an interesting podcast. Let us know what your thoughts are and Diz will let you know how you can get in hold of us. Yes, you can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash currently nerdy, Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy. Uh, Tumblr, currentlynerdy.tumblr.com. We're on YouTube sometimes, youtube.com slash currentlynerdy. 
We're also on Stitcher, Google Play, and the iTunes podcast app. So make sure you're subscribed. You give us a five-star rating and a review. Um, if you if you already have done all that stuff, make one of your friends listen to Currently Nerdy. Spread the gospel of Currently Nerdy. Drink it in, man. Let other people drink it in, too. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at VTran214. That's V-Y. T-R-A-N-214 on my website, thesoundwitchslayer.com. You can catch me on my website, alialomi.com, on our sister podcast, Head on History. Uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. Diz? You can catch me harassing Nick Bosa on Twitter <laughs> at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. I'm also on uh, Instagram and all the other stuff with that name. Um we're, I'm also on the, the Currently Nerdy Sports Podcast, which Season 1 has ended. Season 2 should start up in a few months. So get caught up on Season 1 at SoundCloud.com slash Currently Nerdy. Hopefully by Season 2 we'll have it out on iTunes for you guys to listen. And before we go, we should give a shout-out to one of our great fans, Leah. Uh, shout-out to you. Hope you're having a great week. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire.